The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. All right, hello and welcome to our quarterly updates podcast where active portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets and their funds. I'm John Kabolis and I'm an investment strategist here at Natixis. Today I'm joined by Gretchen Amidon, an investment director of the Loomis Sales Global Allocation Fund. The fund has posted strong annualized returns over the past 5, 10, and 15-year time periods. Gretchen, thank you for taking the time and joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So to kick us off, I'm going to start uh, going through the second quarter. So the second quarter was another excellent quarter for the strategy. Gretchen, would you mind walking us through the top contributors and detractors over the second quarter for the global allocation portfolio? So on the equity side, the two top contributors were NVIDIA and Amazon. I think it was probably hard to miss all the headlines on NVIDIA in the quarter. Uh, But to be specific, the company announced first quarter revenue that was well above consensus expectations. uh, And they also announced a material rise in their guidance. And this was really driven by the increased popularity of generative AI tools like ChatGPT, which has been a significant tailwind for NVIDIA as the company is a critical supplier to the industry. Amazon reported strong revenue and earnings despite the inflationary and softer economic environment. AWS's revenue growth, that's their cloud business, was also ahead of market expectations. The company noted a more cautious client. However, they did remain confident in AWS's long-term growth opportunities. On the fixed income side, spread sector allocation really drove performance, Uh, in particular allocations to the consumer non-cyclical, finance companies, and also consumer cyclical sectors. To give you some specific holdings, Teva Pharmaceutical Industries, Biomarin Pharmaceutical uh, within the consumer non-cyclical, within finance uh, holdings of mortgage lender Rock Holdings uh, also performed uh, particularly well. In terms of detractors, if we move to the, the other side of the ledger, on the equity side of things, two names uh, were meaningful underperformers. Estee Lauder and Mettler Toledo. Estee Lauder, again, is probably a brand that most are familiar with. So they manufacture prestige beauty products, uh, skincare, cosmetics, fragrance. Uh, Shares underperformed following a fairly disappointing earnings report in May. Uh, The company did lower their guidance. They cited a slow return to travel in Asia due to COVID-19 lockdowns. Uh, That said, management does expect travel to gradually improve in the fourth quarter and into 2024. Shares of Mettler Toledo, a name that people may be less familiar with, they manufacture essential laboratory tools. That stock underperformed as the market weighed potential macroeconomic impacts to the company's growth trajectory. We do believe some caution is warranted here, particularly in their life sciences and markets. However, we believe the breadth of their offerings, as well as the company's culture of continuous improvement, really enable the company to be able to quickly pivot to higher growth areas uh, in times of uncertainty. On the fixed income side, yield curve and duration positioning detracted from performance overall. Uh, in particular, positioning in the U.S. 
dollar, Canadian dollar, and Australian dollar pay markets to track different performance in the period. Positioning in the five-year and 10-year portions of the U.S. dollar pay market especially detracted. Currency allocation also detracted it from performance, in particular allocations to the Japanese yen, South African rand, and the Norwegian krona, uh, as these currencies weakened against the U.S. dollar over the period. That's great. Thank you, Gretchen. Now that you've really recapped the performance drivers for us, let's maybe turn to the current portfolio allocation. What does the current asset allocation look like today, and were there changes worth mentioning during the second quarter? Sure. We've been fairly consistent in our positioning. So right now we're at 68% in equities, 17% in non-U.S. fixed income, and the balance 15% in U.S. fixed income. We did move a bit of capital from non-U.S. to U.S. fixed income towards the end of the, the quarter, just driven by finding greater opportunities. And what is what is the current geographic allocation of the fund look like today? And has there been any changes to that over the quarter? Sure. So right now we're just under 70 percent in U.S. securities, 69 percent to be exact, 16 uh, percent in Europe, 10 percent in emerging markets and the balance, which is about 4 percent in developed Asia. Uh, it is not the geographic profile is not meaningfully changed uh, over the last three months. And has the team initiated any new positions during the quarter? And if so, could you provide some color on any new names? Sure. On the equity side, we did initiate in one position. Uh, it's a name that we've held in the past, Parker Hannafin. Parker Hannafin, for those of you that aren't familiar, they're a leading manufacturer of highly engineered motion and control products. Uh, their portfolio spans a wide array of components, including hydraulics, filtration, electromechanical and process control. So all of those which combine to create systems in aerospace, the automotive market, and other equipment and markets. What we like about the name is the diversification of their business model. They manufacture a wide range of pro uh, products. They have about, uh, well, greater than 100 million SKUs or SKUs. Uh, the company has also broadened its offering to include customized systems uh, and support to clients, which enhances client retention. Parker has a solid track record of reliability and high safety standards, uh, which we believe is an additional competitive advantage given the critical nature of the products and services it provides. On the fixed income side, we added secondary shares of charter communications, uh, 2034 maturity bond. Uh, although we do acknowledge cable internet subscriber growth has shifted from record growth uh, to barely positive in this past year, uh, we believe the cable subscriber base can remain largely stable for the next five to 10 years. Uh, and we think Charter could take advantage of this stable subscriber base uh, as the nation's second largest broadband provider. That's great. Those sound like great opportunities for the strategy. And in order to fund these new positions, did the team sell any securities during the quarter? No, we didn't sell uh, any specific equities to fund those positions. Uh, we uh, did a little bit of, of trimming. Uh, in fixed income, we did reduce our allocation to travel and leisure. 
uh, and iHeart communications and uh, in fixed income, those sales were done to build uh, additional liquidity or flexibility for the portfolio. That's great. And thank you for walking through kind of the updates from a quarterly basis, but turning our attention kind of to look ahead for the rest of the year, are there any opportunities within equities that are you are particularly excited about and the team is and that you're following closely? And how are you currently positioned within fixed income and where do you see kind of the best opportunities to go forward there? Yeah, so as a reminder in equities, uh, this is a concentrated group of names. So we're just under 40 stocks. So I would say all positions within equities we're, we're excited about. Uh, but to be a little bit more specific, uh, technology is a big waiting for us. And there we have names spanning semiconductor manufacturing and equipment, software consulting companies. On the consumer side, we're fairly selective. Uh, we have consumer names that we believe are uniquely positioned. So that's companies that possess strong brands. So as I mentioned, Estee Lauder earlier, uh, or companies with direct-to-consumer opportunities, uh, physical retailers with a differentiated value proposition. And so again, we're, we're fairly specific within the consumer space. In financials, uh, our holdings have leading market positions in retail and commercial banking, payment processing, uh, asset management, and investment banking. Uh, we're also finding opportunities in industrials uh, where companies have uh, pricing power, uh, and that's driven by their uh, components uh, or their offerings of, of critical components. And uh, an example would be Parker Hannafin, uh, which I mentioned earlier. And then I also just touch on within equities healthcare, uh, we have fairly focused exposure there, focused on services uh, and products geared towards the higher growth areas of the market where there's greater revenue visibility uh, and companies that have uh, what we believe would be manageable reimbursement risk. On the fixed income side, there have not been any major shifts in positioning there. Uh, we ex did extend our duration at the beginning of the year, and we've remained neutral versus the, the, the benchmark. Uh, in our view, the credit cycle is firmly in the late cycle stage, uh, and the risk of downturn has increased. However, the timing of that downturn is a significant question mark for us. So the ability of the Fed to manufacture a soft landing could become more difficult if inflation remains sticky, uh, likely leading to restrictive monetary policy for an extended period. We believe the combination of discount to par and favorable yield increases the potential value opportunity in bonds. We have been holding larger than average liquidity reserves and seeking to maintain an up in quality bias. So. Uh, we continue to swap in, into more defensive industries and issuers when uh, we see the opportunity. That's great. And you started to touch on it a little bit, but I think it would be great to kind of end, and if you could spend a few minutes here, talking about the team's macro outlook for the rest of 2023, maybe talking about a little bit of, or your thoughts around interest rates, inflation, and the U.S. dollar. Sure, yes. So our macro team at Loomis currently forecast the Fed to remain on hold under our base case scenario. So that is our base case. Uh, but we do acknowledge the risk of additional tightening if inflation remains uncomfortably high. 
In Europe and the UK, we anticipate the ECB and BOE will need to remain hawkish given a more persistent underlying inflation and increased focus on unit labor costs. We do continue to see a divergence between the developed markets and emerging market monetary policy outlooks. On average, EM central banks are further along in their hiking cycle and in aggregate are expected to begin uh, cutting uh, in the next six months. In terms of the USD, uh, we still have trouble forming an argument for immediate dollar weakness uh, given its potential strength in a downturn scenario. If a downturn becomes a reality, we would expect safe haven flows to contribute to continued U.S. dollar strength. Uh, in terms of inflation, uh, inflation uh, in the U.S. has eased, but core measures do remain elevated, and that's driven by higher services and wage inflation. Uh, globally speaking, inflation appears to have peaked, uh, while core prices should continue to moderate. From a GDP outlook, uh, what we've seen is consensus has revised their estimates upwards, but we continue to believe that a glo the global growth outlook remains challenged. So we're currently forecasting a U.S. GDP growth of 1.1% uh, for 2023 uh, and 0.6% for 2024. Uh, I think it's uh, important to note that the upward revision for 2023 for consensus was driven by data surprising to the upside in the early months of the, the year. Uh, despite signs of resilience in the U.S. economy, uh, we do see leading economic indicators rolling over and tighter lending standards uh, pointing towards a downturn. Well, Gretchen, I want to thank you for all of your insights today. You covered the whole gambit here, and we appreciate you taking the time and look forward to talking to you again next quarter. Yes, thank you very much. Important information. Standard performance as a percentage for Loomis Sales Global Allocation Fund Class Y shares as of June 30th, 2023. Three months, 5.16%. Year to date, 12.54%. One year, 15.22%. Three years, 4.72%. Five years, 5.94%. 10 years, 7.67%. 30 day SEC yield. Y. Subsidized equals 1.98%. 30 day SEC yield. Y. Unsubsidized equals 1.98%. Performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of future results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit im.natixis.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains, if any. Top 10 holdings for the Loomis Sales Global Allocation Fund as of June 30, 2023. LVMH Mode Hennessy Louis Vuitton SE, 2.34% of portfolio. Atlas Coco AB, 2.48% of portfolio, Accenture PLC, 2.58% of portfolio, Airbnb, Inc., 2.61% of portfolio, MasterCard, Inc., 2.71% of portfolio, Lin PLC, 2.76% of portfolio, Alphabet, Inc., 2.91% of portfolio, ASML Holding NV, 2.95% of portfolio, S&P Global, Inc., 3.00% of portfolio, Amazon.com, Inc., 3.44% of portfolio, Gross and Net Expense Ratios for Class Y of the fund are 0.89% and 0.89%, respectively. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on January 31, 2025. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios and or yields may be the same. S&P 500 index is a widely recognized measure of U.S. stock market performance. It is an unmanaged index of 500 companies.
common stocks chosen for market size, liquidity, and industry group representation, among other factors. It also measures the performance of the large cap segment of the U.S. equities market, EBITDA, or earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, is a measure of a company's overall financial performance and is used as an alternative to net income in some circumstances. The European Central Bank, ECB, is the central bank responsible for monetary policy of those European Union EU, member countries which have adopted the euro currency. This region is known as the eurozone and currently comprises 19 members. The Bank of England BOE, is the central bank for the United Kingdom. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks. Credit, interest rate, as interest rates rise bond prices usually fall, inflation and liquidity, foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Below investment-grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks including the risk of default, than other fixed income securities. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Investment-grade refers to bonds rated BBB slash BAA or higher. Ratings are determined by third-party rating agencies such as Standard & Poor's or Moody's and are an indication of a bond's credit quality. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit IM Natixis.com or call 800-862-4863 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully. This material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed are as of July 18, 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Distribution, LLC, Fund Distributor, Member FINRA, SIPC, and Loomis, Sales and Company, LLC are affiliated. Attrax, 2100702-221, Expiration Date, October 31, 2023, POD 117, June, 2023.